following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Man, there's something so special that God is doing in this house on Wednesday nights, and I'm so thankful to be a part of, of what he's doing. Has anybody enjoyed the great Gaining Ground series from Pastor Brad? Hasn't it been absolutely... It's been incredible, and, and the truth is, the first week, he really talked, some, talked about some amazing things. He, he talked about not listening to the lies of the enemy, taking hold of the word of God, the sword of the spirit, standing strong. It was such an amazing, empowering message. And then last week, anybody enjoy last week as he talked about relationships? Wasn't it so good? <laughs> Pastor Brad was so funny last Sunday, but it also was such an empowering, uh, challenging message. And, and he talked about gaining ground in relationships and how in relationships the goal is, is not to always be right, but it's rather to grow together. He talked about praying together with, with your spouse and what an incredible message that was. And the truth is tonight, I've, I've been on the schedule to preach uh, for a while, and, and I felt like God had given me something, but, but sitting there on Sunday as, as he was preaching about relationships and gaining ground, I just felt like God started to stir up something in my spirit, and, and so if, if you'll allow me, we're going to just continue with the gaining ground series. Uh, we're going to call it gaining ground part 2B, and we're going to talk about relationships, but we're also going to talk about the thing that limits us in relationships, and I just believe that God has something for us here tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter number three, and we're going to read seven or four scriptures, starting with verse number seven, and this, we're just going to dive into what God has for us here tonight. Exodus chapter number seven, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites. And I'm going to skip the rest of those. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful. We're so grateful for your calling that's on our lives. We're so thankful for the relationships that you've put in our lives. And I just pray right now that you would begin to open up our hearts and open up our spirits to what you want to speak to us here tonight, God. I, I, I pray that you would just begin to move in such a special way, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. The, the truth is tonight, relationships can be a little discouraging sometimes. 
I think it's easy to look at other people's relationship and be like, wow, they have it all together. It's like when we call Pastor Brad and Cass at 8.30 at night and there's so much peace and quiet and the kids are in bed and they're in their bed reading their Bibles, being so responsible. And then you look on our FaceTime and, and Houston is swinging from the chandeliers and hanging from the fan. And I'm like, wow, Annie, can we be like Pastor Brad and Cass? <laughs> I think it's always easy to look at other people's relationships and, and just be like, man, I, it seems like they've got it going on. It seems like they have it figured out. And either the lack of relationship or the conflict within relationships brings about this, this discouragement. Sometimes it brings despair. And, and the truth is, in those moments, it only pushes us into a cycle of isolation, You see, relationships are a struggle, and here's why. Because anything worth having is going to bring a struggle. Tonight, if you want to get something of value, you have to work for it. Tonight, I want to convince you that the relationships in your world and in your life are worth the fight. They're worth the struggle. They're worth the battle. That God has called you to relationships. That God has called us to people. How many know that our greatest calling in this room, every single person, our greatest calling is people. Our greatest calling is relationships to God, relationship to ourselves, and relationship to others. And that's why tonight relationships are always, it's always worth the work. Relationships are worth the struggle and Some of y'all are in this room and you're like, yeah, but you don't know who I am married to. (laughs) Or maybe you're thinking, you don't know my boss or you don't know my friend or or my coworker. It's not worth it. Can I tell you tonight, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what relationship struggles you're having, but I know this. Relationships are valuable and anything of value will not be easy. It will not be easy to get and it will not be easy to maintain. But tonight you need to know these two different things as we get started here that that God said in Genesis chapter number two that it's good for man to not be alone. And all the single people in the house said, amen, come on somebody. The Lord can provide like a ram in the thicket. I don't know how and I don't know when, but you've got five days before Valentine's Day and the Lord is going to make. Hey, if he did it for them, he can do it for you. Come on now. God said it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, we were born for relationship. But while we were born for relationship, we weren't born just for any relationship. We were born for the right relationship, and we were born to do relationships the right way. How many know that the wrong relationship can ruin a man and it can ruin a woman? I think we can all think of someone in our head right now that they were an amazing person, had a lot going for them, and they started dating the wrong person. They married the wrong person. They became friends with the wrong person. All of a sudden, this special, amazing person full of potential, they went down the wrong path because they got into the wrong relationship. For many of you, you might be in a relationship right now, and you need to be reminded of what is needed for a healthy relationship. Maybe some of you are here tonight. We've been in the middle of a relationship series at at our young adults, but maybe you're in the house tonight and you're single and looking. Maybe even tonight during that powerful worship, you had two arms lifted and one eye open, just scouting out the talent, just seeing what was in in the room. 
Maybe some of you are in the house and you're like, you know what, it would be just really nice if someone just gave me some, some attention. I don't care if it's weird, I just would like some attention just once. But can I just tell you today that finding a relationship will not find you? That, that fixing a relationship will not fix you? That being in a relationship, Pastor Brad said this on Sunday, it will not complete you. It only reveals who you are. And all the married people in the house said, amen. <laughs> you see, before you can find someone, you have to find you. You have to find peace before you find someone else. You, you have to be content right now or you'll find what you were looking for and you'll never be content. And contentment comes from learning to find value in every season that you're living in right now. Longing for the past or wishing for the future will rob you of the relational joy of this present moment. And the only way that you can find you and the only way that you can find true contentment is through the way, the truth, and the life, and his name is Jesus. My prayer for you tonight is that you would realize that everything you need is in you and around you. It just may be in the place that you didn't want to look. Exodus chapter number three, verse number 10, God shows up to Moses who's living in isolation, who's out of relationship, who's not where he wants to be. And God says to Moses, now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You see, when we jump into this story, Moses was a man who was not living in the right relationship. He, he was living in isolation. And God is calling Moses from this season, this moment, this time, this place of isolation, and he's calling him to the right relationships. You see, God is calling Moses from isolation to purpose. God wants to bring Moses from this place and this moment of isolation to his calling. How many know that isolation is many times a place of comfort? And in this moment, God is calling Moses out of his self-pity. <laughs> Moses is upset with how his life is going and he does what many of us do. He retreats to isolation. God is calling Moses out of his isolation to help other people. It's in his isolation that he felt stuck. And it's in our isolation that we stay stuck. It's in isolation that we stay in our self-pity. It's in isolation that we fall into sin. It's in isolation where many times we choose comfort over calling. It's in isolation where we choose criticism over action. It's in isolation where we sit back and we critique what everyone else is doing while never taking responsibility for our own lack of movement. This is where we choose comfort over growth. And here's what the Bible says about isolation and being isolated. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he rages against all wise judgment. For all the introverts that are in the house, they're like, I do not like this message at all. <laughs> but tonight I'm not talking about the self-discipline that it takes to isolate ourselves, to talk to God and to hear from God. 
How many know that it's important to isolate ourselves, to get alone with God? I'm not talking about a moment of isolation. I'm talking about a lifestyle and a cycle because Jesus would isolate himself. And he modeled this for us, but he did it for a moment and he did it for one reason, to give strength, to get strength, to get clarity and to get purpose, to go back out and to be with people. I'm not talking about a moment. I'm talking about a lifestyle that when things don't go our way, like a teenager, we retreat to isolation. We retreat to our room. I'm talking about when we lack purpose, we isolate, when we feel overlooked or left out or misunderstood. Come on, somebody, you know I'm talking to you. We isolate. (laughs) And isolation often leads to discouragement. And relationships are the easiest place for discouragement to find you. How many know the loneliest place there is is when you're laying next to somebody and you feel lonely? The loneliest you will ever feel is feeling isolated while in a relationship. I know what discouragement is. This last week I got an email from the school that said school was canceled for the next two days. And I just felt this wave of discouragement sweep over me. (laughs) I was like, I'm not even telling the kids. We're just going to take them to the school, drop them off. Maybe somebody will be there. It starts sleeting. It gets bad. I'll go back and pick them up. Discouragement sets in in isolation. If you've ever seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, there's this moment. It's about George Bailey. And these two angels are sitting up in heaven in this fictitious scene. And they're saying, hey, George, he needs our help. And they're saying, well, what's wrong with him? And and the one angel says, is he sick? He said, oh, no. It's much worse than sickness. He's discouraged. You see, isolation leads to discouragement, and the enemy loves discouragement because he knows discouragement can cripple us from the calling that God has for our life. We see throughout Scripture, God is constantly calling to man, constantly calling us out of something and calling us to something greater. We see God constantly reaching for us and calling us to let us know that there is a plan, that there is hope, that there is a purpose for us. Think about Peter and John, these fishermen. All they know how to do is fish in isolation and peace and quiet. And Jesus shows up and he wrecks that whole plan and he calls them out of their isolation to reach people, to reach the world, to turn the world upside down. They're all by themselves fishing in Jesus. He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, they had no idea that they were about to leave their moment and their season of isolation to go turn the world upside down. They had no idea the plan and the purpose ahead of them. Can I tell you tonight that when God places his hand on you, when he calls you, there is no turning back. When God calls you, you can't go back to where you came from. Nothing will do once you've been called by the presence of God. 
I tell young adults and students all the time, I'm sorry, we have just introduced you into the presence of God. Now no party can be the same. No relationship can bring fulfillment. This is gonna mess you up for the rest of your life. You're gonna be partying with somebody, hanging out, and you're like, this is not where I need to be. I've got a greater calling on my life. I got something for me to do. Once you've experienced the call of God, you can't go back. Because here's what God does when he calls us. He puts this thing inside of us that makes us begin to realize that something greater is coming. Why? Because you've experienced the presence of God. Can I encourage someone here tonight? Something better is coming. I don't know when and I don't know how, but he has put his hand on you. And the gifts... And the callings of God, Paul said, are without repentance. In other words, he's not sorry that he's called you. He's not sorry that he's gifted you. But you need to understand that when he puts his hand on you, that it is going to push you out of what you think you are capable of. He's going to push you beyond what you think you can do. It's going to go beyond what you think you are talented enough to handle. I was actually on the fence about preaching this message. I knew I was going to do it, but I still was a little bit unsure. And then Pastor Brad came out and hosted, and here's what he said. Hey, if you're doing it on your own, it's not enough. You've got to trust in God to do something greater. This is right here in my notes. I'm just going to go ahead and read my notes. If you can do it, it's probably God, not God's best for you. If you can do it on your own, it's probably not from God. God's dream for you is always beyond you. And I don't know about you, but I'm done living my own dream. I'm done doing things in my own ability and in my own talent. I want to see him take over in my life. I want to see him move in this church. I want to see him move in the city of Austin. I want to see him at work in our community. I want to see him at work everywhere I go. So God is calling Moses from where he is in this moment of isolation to something he has never done before. He's calling him out of isolation to have a relationship with people. He's calling him from leading sheep to leading people. And if I had to speak from experience, I would probably say that leading sheep sounds a lot easier than leading people. (laughs) Not any of you. In this moment of isolation, in this moment of running from calling, in this moment of trying to hide and be on your own and stay away from everyone else, God just shows up and ruins everything. Can I tell you that you can find your destiny on the road you took to avoid it? (laughs) Jesus can meet you in your loneliness. Jesus can meet you in your isolation. I have good news for someone tonight. If you've been isolating yourself and you've been hiding, God can find you. If you feel isolated tonight, can I tell you, you're in the right place for God to meet you. And God shows up to Moses, and Moses is so discouraged in his isolation. He, he was raised in the palace with so much purpose and so much promise, but now he's on the backside of a mountain in the desert watching sheep. Like, this is not the greatest place to be if you were going to be something special. Things didn't turn out the way that Moses thought they would, and he did what we all do when we fail. 
when the relationship falls apart, when things don't go our way, he isolates. And we know how discouraged he is because every one of his answers to God's plan and God's promise and God's calling is negative. God calls to him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. He says, all right, look, dude, you're going to save my people. Like, you're going to do it. You're going to be the man. I've called you. Like, there is, there is destiny on your life. Here's the plan. Here is the call. Moses, I know you were running, but, man, this is for you. This is all about you. And in this moment, Moses does three things. He gives three responses. And tonight I want to show you three things that limit us and three things that was limiting Moses in that moment. The three things I want to tell you tonight are the exact things that we turn to when God calls us to healthy relationship and, and calls us to healthy purpose and calls us out of isolation. Moses says in Exodus, after God has called him in Exodus 3 and 11, he says, who am I? I'm going to just be honest. If there is a bush on fire and it's talking to me, I'm not questioning anything that's coming out of that bush anymore. Okay, God, hey, me and you, let's go. <laughs> but in this moment, Moses was dealing with FOMO, and I'm not talking about what I experience all the time, the fear of missing out. I'm talking about the fear of my own opinion. Moses was dealing with the fear of his own opinion, the fear of what he believed about himself. Can I tell you tonight, the fear of your own opinion about yourself will keep you and limit you from the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. This, let's just call it shrubbery. This shrubbery is on fire. And at that moment, again, I'm saying, okay, God, I believe you, but Moses is so discouraged, his response to the greatest calling of his life is, who am I? So oftentimes in the middle of miracles, even as God is doing miracles around us, we are so discouraged that all we see is the negative thoughts about ourselves. As God is moving in a church service and someone's getting blessed and miracles are happening and people are getting healed and delivered, all we can see are the negative things about ourselves. I read the other day that we talk to ourselves at a rate of 150 to 300 thoughts per minute. If that's me, it's like 450 because I'm a fast talker. And I'm no, I'm no math wizard, but at that rate, we are thinking 50,000 thoughts per day on average. And 40,000 40, of these thoughts, this is science, follow the science, 40,000 of them are negative on average. I mean, as we have been sitting here tonight, you've been having a dialogue with yourself. You've already made negative judgments about me. Like, what? why is it his shirt button? Like, what are those shoes that he's wearing? Why is it Pastor Rex preaching? Where is, why is not his wife singing right now? Let her just sing this sermon. I, I forgive you. I forgive you for the negative thoughts already. <laughs> Negativity, without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, is a way of life. And this is Moses, the greatest calling, the greatest purpose. Who am I? He says, why are you calling me? I'm not enough. I can't do it. So tonight, how do we deal with the fear of our own opinion? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we demolish arguments. 
and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Man, can I tell you tonight, my youngest son, Houston, he needs the power of the Holy Spirit in his life at work. This kid is wild. He is crazy. He's so much fun. But there are moments when I need to take Houston and I'm like, bro, you got to listen. He won't listen. I will pick him up and remove him from the situation and get him to a place where I can talk to him and make sense to him. Here's what I'm doing. I'm making him obedient in that moment. I'm picking him up and I'm removing him so many times in our lives. That's what we have to do with our own thoughts. If this thought doesn't listen to me, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to remove it. I've got to make it obedient to the, I've got to make it obedient to God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to the 40,000 negative thoughts a day, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I just blow your mind with, with a thought, with something? God transforms our heart, but we are only truly changed by the renewing of our mind. I know you know some people that experienced God in a real, incredible, powerful way, but they never renewed their mind. They had a heart change. God changed their heart. He transformed their heart, but they never renewed their mind. That's why people that you know, they have this experience, but they don't stick around because they don't keep renewing their mind. <laughs> If you want a changed life, renew your mind. If you want a changed thought life, renew your mind. If you want a transformed life, guess what? You've got to let the Holy Spirit begin to renew your mind. The Bible says this, Romans 12, same scripture, that when you do this, when you begin to renew your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Man, I got some great news for you tonight. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. <laughs> and here's what it is. His will for your life is not to live in isolation. His will for your life is to walk in community, to walk in purpose, to help other people. His good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life is to get relationships right. If you want healthy relationships, you have to win the battle of the mind. I'm tired of the tricks that my mind plays on me. I'm tired of my own stinking thinking. I'm ready for the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to renew my mind because I know this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, at this point you should turn off the news. Whatever is lovely, at this point you should turn off social media. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. You want healthy relationships? Renew your mind. You want to grow? Renew your mind. You want to gain ground? Renew your mind. You want to transform your life? Renew your mind. <laughs> Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations, <laughs> by the way, it's a book on discouragement. <laughs> the entire book is about complaining. <laughs> the entire book is talking about how bad things are. 
And then in the middle of it, in chapter 3, he says, remember my affliction and roaming and the wormwood and the gall. Don't even really know what that means, but it sounds awful and painful. (laughs) He says, my soul still remembers and it sinks within me. And then there's just this little clip in the middle of this book on discouragement. Jeremiah says, then I call to, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. He says this, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope through the Lord's mercies. I was complaining. (laughs) I, I, I was discouraged, but then I remember it's the Lord's mercies. The reason for my being not consumed is because of the Lord's mercies, because his compassions fail not. The Bible says they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. When you renew your mind, you remember his mercy. When you renew your mind, you remember he's faithful. When you renew your mind, you remember he is your portion. Oh man, when you renew your mind, you remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you renew your mind, you remember that you have hope. Jeremiah literally wrote a book about complaining and in the middle he goes, wait a minute, I've got to think about something different. It's awful, it's bad, the world is a messed up place, but in the middle I want to remember that he's faithful. I want to remember that he provides for me. I'm going to remember that he helps me. I'm going to remember that he restores me. I'm going to remember that he's forgiven me. I'm going to remember that he's called me. (laughs) I'm going to recall to my mind the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. I remember I used to work as a roughneck in Alaska in the snow and the cold in minus 20 degrees. And I will be honest, in those moments, it felt like the book of Lamentations. (laughs) It was fun to complain. It was so bad that the complaining made me laugh. (laughs) But then I would get really discouraged in my isolation away from family and friends and I would daydream about the things that I love and it gave me hope. Tonight you might not have a lot of hope in this world. You might not have a lot of hope on this earth. You may not even have a lot of hope in your world right now but can I tell you there is hope that comes through Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, if you don't have any hope here tonight, put your hope in this, that we will be with him forever. That he's coming back one day and we have a hope, we have a promise. Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 through 18 says, and now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what what will happen to the believers who have died. We want you to know this so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns, we will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive, and remain on the earth 
We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Can I tell you, we have a hope. We stand on a promise that even if you don't feel great in the world right now, you've got a hope that a better life is coming. You've got a hope that something greater is coming. So God calls Moses. Moses is negative. God answers. And God's response to Moses' negativity, it's this. It's a promise that he will go with us. Moses says, who am I? And God says, I will go with you. He says, who am I? I I can't do this on my own. And in that moment, God promises him that he will go with him. When, When God calls us, he gives the promise of his presence. You see, there's something special about knowing that even in isolation that you aren't walking alone, that even in loneliness that might be dark, even in isolation that is dark, even in pain that is dark, you are not alone. Tonight, how many know that it's dark sometimes, but your heavenly Father is walking with you? It's scary to walk in new callings and purpose, but God is with you. I I know the doctor's report is negative, but God is with you. I I know it's scary to join a small group of people that you don't know, but God is with you. I know it's scary to get out of your comfort zone, but God is with you. I know the pain is real, but can I encourage you? God is with you. Exodus chapter 4. Moses answered, but what will, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? What what if they don't think that I'm legit? The second thing that limits us is the fear of other people's opinion. Can I tell you tonight, if you wait for everyone to approve the calling on your life, you will wait the rest of your life. Moses did what we all do. What, what are people going to think when I lead that freedom group? What are people going to think that know my past? What, what are people going to think? Oh, what if people don't approve? What if people don't think I've called? What if people don't see in me what I think is there? Can I tell you tonight, I spent years of my life without the affirmation of a father who had passed on, and I was waiting for someone else to affirm me, and I missed the calling that was on my life because I was living in the fear of what other people thought of me. I remember going on a mission trip. And man, I knew I was called to preach. I was so excited about what God was doing, gonna do in my life. And I knew that there's gonna be preaching opportunities on this mission trip. And, and the youth pastor went around and asked every one of my friends. <laughs> yeah, that's how it felt. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, I spent that whole trip wondering, man, am I even called? Do people even see? Do people even know? And if you have a calling on your life, you've had a moment like that. You've had an experience where you wonder, do people even know? Do people even care? You know what the remedy is for dealing with other people's opinion? Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, Then the Lord said to him, What's in your hand? He says, What do you have? Moses said, A shepherd's staff. You see, here's the remedy for dealing with other people's opinion. It starts with just serving where you are. What do you have? It's, it's just my personality. It's just 
simple. It's just ordinary. It's just my talent. It's not much. It's just ordinary. It's just serving on the serve team. It's, it's just ordinary. It's just joining a small group. It's just ordinary. It's just a freedom group. There's nothing special about it. Man, can I tell you tonight what seems ordinary to you? What seems simple to you? When you give it to God, when you give God your ordinary, when you give God your mundane, when you give God your simple, your ordinary with God's power becomes something, can I tell you, there's something in your hand. There's something that you possess. There's something that you have that God needs. Exodus 4. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. This, said the Lord, is so they, so that they might believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. See, God loves to take our ordinary lives and do the miraculous so that people, one reason, so that people might believe that the Lord is at work. When you see the miraculous in your life, when, when people see the miraculous going on inside of you, when people see you do what you did with that talent, when people see you do what you did with those finances, when people see what you do with that intellect, they're going to believe that the only way that could happen was because of God. The remedy to the fear of other people's opinion is giving God what you have. And I'm coming to a close, but the last thing that each and every one of us do When God calls us out of isolation to healthy relationship, we often say, but I'm not enough. We have the fear of not being enough. In fact, in this moment, Moses, he pleads with the Lord like he does not want to do this thing. He just believes about himself that he's not enough and he says, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Like it's in that moment where, like it would be so funny to me in this story if God was like, oh, you're right, Moses. I forgot. I, I didn't really know that you struggled. I didn't really know that you had that issue. I called you because I thought you were perfect. God did not make a mistake when he called you. God did not make a mistake when he saved you. God did not make a mistake when he rescued you. God called you despite your weakness. God called you despite your issues. God called you despite what you're going through. And I I love God's response to Moses. And this is the whole point of the message. I love God's response. Moses, Moses, he, he points out his lack of ability. And in that moment, God doesn't heal his speech problem. Like God, he called him, Moses like, I can't speak. I can't speak. I mean, I can't speak right now. Like you hear that. I love God's response. He doesn't heal his speech problem. 
He doesn't say, oh, all right, you can't speak. Let me, let me fix that for you. He doesn't say, oh, man, if you're going to do what I've called you to do, you're gonna, you know what, you're going to have to be the greatest speaker ever. No, God does something better than, he does something better than healing him. He does something better than fixing him. He gives him a brother. He does something better than fixing the issue in his life. He gives him a relationship. Exodus 14, verse 14 says, Then the Lord became angry with Moses, and he says, All right, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I, I know his talents. I, I know that he speaks well. And look, he's, he's on his way to meet you right now. He will be delighted to see you talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct instruct you both in what to do. Instead of healing Moses, God sent him a friend. Instead of fixing Moses, he sent him a relationship. Instead of changing everything for Moses and fixing his problem, he sent him a brother. Can I make this at home for each and every one of us? Instead of healing you, God has sent you a life group. Instead of fixing your issues, he sent you a friend. Instead of changing your situation, he says, I've got something better for you. I've got a friend. Do you want to know what life groups and freedom is all about? It's saying at this church, we've got your back. (laughs) What could be better than being healed? Is God sending you a best friend? What can be better than getting fixed? It's God giving you something better, giving you a relationship. God is saying, you wanted me to step in and make a way, and I'll do it. But I always do it through people. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt, verse 29, and called all the elders of Israel. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses. And Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped. Can I tell you, there are only some things that God can do through the right relationships. There is only some ground that you will gain only through the right friendship. When Moses needed someone, God sent him Aaron. When David needed someone, God sent him Jonathan. When Elijah needed someone, God sent him Elisha. God gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Paul was blinded on the road to Emmaus, God sent him Ananias. Jesus, the Son of God. He had his 12 disciples, and then guess what? He he had his best friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And you think you can survive by isolating. You think you can make it on your own and that you can do it by yourself. Let, let Let me close with making it a little more personal. When I was insecure, when I got to Bible college, there was a student body president at Bible college named Brad Wilkinson. 
when I needed someone to encourage me and strengthen me after I lost my dad, my God gave me my brother, Jonathan Daigle. When I needed someone to just be a friend for life, God sent me Derek Frymeyer. When I was struggling, doubting myself, God sent me a torn wells to encourage me and speak life into my heart. When I, when I needed a friend in transition, God sent me Andrew Blaylock. I don't have time to mention friend after friend, but I know this, I'm standing here today because I prayed some prayers a long time ago and he answered those prayers by getting me into community. When I asked God to help me, he sent me a friend. When I asked God to strengthen me and and fix my issues and the things that I struggle with, he sent me friends. And that's why this church is about life groups. You wonder why we promote life groups and Freedom Sunday. You wonder why we do what we do. We know that the ground that you're gonna gain in life happens in community that it doesn't happen in isolation. Yes, you've got to spend time with God. You've got to spend time in prayer. But the growth that you're looking for in your life is when you say, no longer am I going to live on the backside of the mountain in isolation. No longer am I going to live in the fear of my own opinion. No longer am I going to live in the fear of other people's opinion. No longer am I going to doubt my ability, but rather I'm going to trust in the goodness of our God and walk into right relationship and walk into right community. Let's all stand. There's an old song that I used to love as a kid. And I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing it, so I'm going to say it. Used to go like this, you're my brother, you're my sister. So, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There is no foe that can defeat us as long as we're standing Side by side, can I tell you right now, there is no foe that can defeat you when you're in the right relationship, when you're in right community. Can I encourage you as this church experiences the revival that God is sending it? As this church grows larger, we've got to grow smaller at the exact same time as we experience reaching people with the gospel and this church grows, we've got to be a church that goes all in for community so someone that walks in doesn't feel isolated and doesn't feel alone, but they say, oh my God, I found my church, I found my community, I found my home, and guess what? God begins to do something in their life. (laughs) The Bible says, Moses, and Aaron go to Egypt. Not Moses, by himself. Can I tell you tonight, wherever you go next, you're gonna go with somebody. As you begin to walk in the purpose of your life, God's gonna give you the right relationship. Pray for healing, pray for blessing, pray for something amazing, and then watch God give you the right relationship. Watch God give you the right person. Watch God give you the right friend. Oh, come on, all across this place, can we just put our hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'm I'm done. Here's what I encourage you to do right now. They're gonna sing a song. And I know we don't normally do this, but maybe there's a friend in this room that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe there's someone in this room that you know is struggling. Maybe there's someone right now that you know they're in the fight of their life. As they sing this song, I want you to do something. 
want you to get out of your comfort zone, out of the fear of your own opinion, out of the fear of other people's opinion. And go up to somebody, put your arm around him, say, you're my brother. I prayed for a blessing. God gave me you. I, I, I prayed for breakthrough. God gave me a person. I, I prayed for something special in my life and God gave me a freedom group right now in this moment. There's somebody that's been isolated. There's somebody that's been on the backside of a mountain waiting for somebody to wrap their arm around them to know that they're not alone and they're not in this by themselves. And you could be that person because of Moses and Aaron. Here's what happened. Six million Israelites walked out of Egypt into freedom because two people said, we're walking hand in hand. We're walking together. We're not going by ourselves, but we're in this together. Oh, come on all across this place. Put our hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus.